0: Hey, guys. So when you listen to the podcast and you hear the title SSAW Live Sports Podcast presented by the Craft Factory, you're probably wondering, what does the SSAW stand for? Well, it stands for Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. It's a huge Facebook group community that only talks about sports all day, every second, every hour. And from there, make sure that you type in the letters SSAW or just type in the full name Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide on Facebook. When you click on it, make sure you put a request in. One of the founders will click on your request and from there you join a huge community that loves to simply talk about sports every day and every second. We talk about a wide variety of things from basketball to football to soccer to everything, you name it, even world wrestling entertainment. Everything under the sun, we love to talk about it because we simply just love sports. So, again, it's a Facebook group, a huge community that's waiting for you. Make sure you type that name in, and we'll welcome you wholeheartedly. Welcome to SSAW.
1: Yo, Rob, screw your protein bar. I'm going to fuck about your sick pack. I'm not about that life. I want the carne asada. I fuck with it.
2: I don't have a I don't have a six pack. I'm trying to get there. That's the problem. When <laughs> I do eventually get there, then I can switch over to the tacos and the burritos.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk, the baseball, the baseball show. Where we got a little bit of everything, man. Today we're gonna have a little coronavirus, a
2: little, a little. <laughs> oh my God! Already started. Wild.
1: <laughs> a little contract extension talk from with one of the one of MLB's best players, and of course the reason why you're probably all here: Omago of love follow ups. But no, not really. We're, we're gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna be doing the NL, the NL East, which is our last uh, division analysis. We have. Hey, yo, yo, Rob, Nick, how you guys doing?
2: We're doing good, man. I mean, let, let's hope that our podcast doesn't, you know, like spread disease or anything like that. <laughs> let's, let's just try to
3: stick to some good baseball talk.
1: I'm with it, man. Nick, how you doing?
3: Excellent, man. It's a good day. Let's talk. Let's finish up these divisional rankings.
1: Word, word, word. I'm about it. All right, man. Look, and before we get to our divisional talk, we got to start off with the big news of today, and that's Christian Yelich getting his extension. Now, there's there's been a little bit of debate whether the extension is o- underpaying him whether it's overpaying but like just straight up man what do you guys think about it we'll start off with you rob
2: it was a good extension overall i, th- I thought it was it was a good deal for for both sides obviously the argument is there that if if christian yelich would have hit the open market that he would have gotten more money yeah i mean probably if it, i mean he would have been hit in his age 31 season so that is with the assumption that he keeps up this level of production for three, you know, three years straight without getting injured or anything like that, then yeah, sure. You can, there, there could be that argument. Um, but you know, like I, like I had mentioned in the group, Christian Yelich hasn't made more than than $10 million in a single season for his career so far. I think the most he made was like 9.6 or 9.7. Um, and that was last year, this season he said to make 12.5. So I mean this is a great extension for him. You're 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 talking about a guy that realistically based off based off what the production that he had in Miami, he wasn't even on track to be a 200 million dollar level player. And in these two seasons that he's been in in Milwaukee, I mean he's pretty much exploded to be an undisputed top 5, top 10 player in the league. Um, So he definitely deserves this extension. And and for him, it's it's I think it's a bit of just security. You know, like we mentioned, it's three years. This isn't a Mookie Bet situation where where a player is going to hit the open market next year. It's three more seasons that you have to produce and you have to stay healthy. You don't know what's going to happen in those three years. You don't know if your production goes down. You don't know if you suffer a freak injury. And, you know, in baseball, you sign those big contracts and and they're pretty much guaranteed compared to other sports. So this is pretty much just financial security for him and his family. Um, Even if people do see it as an underpay, it's a great move for Milwaukee as well. They're able to secure a centerpiece for their franchise and probably pay a lower price than they would in an open market. Because I don't think if Christian Yellick, you know, we had this discussion maybe two podcasts ago where I had Christian Yellick ending up on the Boston Red Sox and he, he might very well end up there, you know, because these long-term deals, it gets to a point where if a team isn't competing, they might think about trading a guy. So we never know. But if he did hit the open market, I don't think Milwaukee competes with other teams financially. So this was a good this was a good move for Yellick, a good move for Milwaukee. And we kind of have to see how they build um, around Yellick moving forward.
3: Absolutely, man. Nick, what do you think? I think this is a hell of a steal for the Brewers. I mean, you've got arguably the best player in the game right now with Christian Yellick. Probably should be two-time in a row MVP in the National League. He's not going to make over $30 million a year. And that's kind of the going rate for the best players in the world is that that's kind of that number. So <clears throat> he must have just found a home in Milwaukee and... When you talk to a lot of people who played in Milwaukee, it seems like it's a pretty good place to play. Fans are pretty loyal. They come out pretty regularly, even if the team isn't that good. So he might have just found a home out there and really likes being there. Um, I am a little surprised that it wasn't for longer at such a low rate because that only takes him through his age 35 season. So, I mean, obviously he's not going to go out there and be a stud free agent at that point. So I'm kind of surprised with the money being so low per year, under $30 million a year, that it didn't go you know, nine, nine years and take him to his age 37 season. Cause that seems to be about the year where they really start breaking down. So I, I was, I was shocked on both ends, but I mean, good for him. He went out and got the money and you can't take that away from him. That's The beauty of baseball is once that contract signed, that's your money. No matter what happens, he gets hurt every year and never plays another game. He's still getting all that money. So good for both of them. If that's what they felt was right for him, for sure. I'm not going to hate on it wait so i thought
1: i thought the contract didn't kick in until his age 30 year i thought he was still going to be on his current contract for the next two years yeah it, he he he'll,
2: he'll yeah. be he'll be at, at, at his he'll be right on the brink of his 37 so he'll have he has the two years left on his deal there was a team option that essentially gets thrown out so picture this year next year and then the seven years kick in okay got it okay
1: yeah that's uh, okay that's what, that's what i thought too for reading it but I, could, I could have been wrong
2: yeah. um so I think it's age. I think it's age thirty six. But he's. I, I don't know what his exact birthday is. But yeah, I think it's like his age thirty six season.
3: December fifth, nineteen ninety one. I Happen to be looking at it. Ooh. Oh,
2: yeah, said, so yep. they, they said it was up to 2028 20, 20, with a team option for twenty twenty nine.
1: So he's gonna be there a while, basically. Is what we're, is what we're saying, regardless. 90%. If he doesn't get traded,
2: right? If he doesn't get traded.
1: All right, man. Look, and we're gonna we're gonna get into a different segment of of the show now a little bit, and that's just we're gonna. It's going to be really quick. I'm just going to ask you guys, yo, Rob, what the hell do you have for lunch today?
2: Man, I had some good chicken stew. I had some good chicken stew and followed that up with a nice little peanut butter chocolate protein bar. You trying to get yolk? You trying to get yolk? You already know, man. All right. To the lead.
1: (laughs) Yo, Nick, Nick, what about you, man? What was was your lunch like? Nice little carne asada burrito with some extra hot sauce on my burrito, baby. That's the content I for. That's the content, that you know, <laughs> like, yo, Rob. Screw your protein bar. I'm gonna fuck about your six pack. No. I'm not about that life. I want the carne asada. I fucks with it.
2: I don't have. A, I don't have a six pack. I'm trying to get there. That's the problem. When the I problem? do eventually get there, then I can switch over to the tacos and the burritos.
1: It does not matter. Nick obviously wins this lunch off today. That's the that, sure. show. Yeah, uh, that was a no doubter protein bar. What the fuck? Anyway, like, l- let's get to where we're here for. It. And and that's the NL East. The NL East is probably the most competitive division in the MLB right now. And, you know, I'm not saying that shit sarcastically. Like, these teams, maybe they're not top-heavy stacked the way a a Dodgers is. But from one through four, and five has gotten a little better, secretly. It's a good division. There's no giveaways. Yo, we're going to start off our number five team from last year. That's the Marlins. The Marlins lost 105 games last year. And... On our hot trash meter, that is the definition of, like, dumpster fire garbage. So they only have up to go. But some good things for the Marlins, man. Sandy Alcantara is probably one of the most low-key, really good starting pitchers out there. I believe he was somewhere in the top five as far as complete games, which is something we just don't even hear about anymore. Caleb Smith projects to be a a really good pitcher. Is he going to be an ace? I don't know, but he has some really good stuff. Then you guys then you got guys like Jose Arena, you guys, Sixto Sanchez down the minors is their top prospect right now. And then around the field, man, you do have some stuff that hasn't been great for them. Lewis Brinson was the guy that they got back from from that Yellow trade, and he hasn't really turned out to be what he was supposed to be. Uh, they signed Corey Dickerson this year, so he's probably gonna be in the middle of their line lineup. Yeah, Isan Diaz playing second base, who they're really excited about. Jorge Alfaro, who they also got in that 6-0, 6-0 Sanchez trade, who hasn't really lived up to his end of the bargain either. So, you know, there's some disappointments. There's some good stuff. They're kind of all over the field here. Now, with
3: that being said, I'm going to go start off with you, Nick. What do you got the Marlins? So, I got the Marlins at 63-99. I don't see them losing 100 games this year. And it's more a matter of, you know, I see them progressing. I see their young guys still getting better with Brian Anderson, uh, Garrett Cooper, and Jorge Alfaro, I see them still getting better. They brought in some guys, Jonathan VR, who's, you know, surprisingly, he's really stable. He's not he's not as consistent maybe as you'd like year to year, but he's really not getting unlocks a pretty good amount and he gets in the top to make an impact there at the top of the lineup. Like you say, Corey Dickerson plugs in the middle of the lineup. Um, a guy like Jesus Aguilar, if he comes back to anything that he was even 80% was two years ago, that's a great move to put him in the, in the four hole. And then their their farm system is pretty good. It's It's got a lot of top prospects. I believe they have five in the top 100. And they're all, because the Marlins Major League team isn't stacked with a lot of quality Major League talent right now, any of those guys could come up and make an impact. So you've got John Birdie, who's already on the team, who came up last year. Um, he could come up and make a significant role again. But their pitching staff is really where I see them being above average. And one through five is a pretty good pretty good one through five starting staff with the guys you mentioned plus jose urania who's kind of been one of their top prospects for a while pablo lopez and jordan yamamoto came up last year and did pretty well and they also have Sixto sanchez in the minors that could come up this year so they do have five to six serviceable major league starters and it's not the deepest rotation in baseball but that's pretty good their bullpen is not anything to write home about and that's really my big gripe with this team where i instead of them You know getting into the 70 win total staying there in the low 60s but brandon Kinsler has closed before and he's got some pretty filthy stuff he's just very inconsistent and your backup is probably ryan stanick who again is just very inconsistent he could go out there and give you 100 strikeouts in only 60 65 innings but he could also have a five era along the way so it's going to be interesting because they don't have a ton of depth in the in the bullpen but their starting staff has depth they're on their starting nine their lineup is going to be pretty good on a game-in, game-out basis. And their bench, Francisco Valley is a good veteran that they got this year. Uh, Matt Kemp has a minor league deal. He wants to play for four more years. And with what we saw a few years ago with his health, when he came back really healthy and kind of had an MVP-type season the first half, who knows what could go on with Matt Kemp this year. And there's a couple sneaky guys that they got in Sean Rodriguez and Matt Joyce. Um, All those guys are pretty sneaky good, and they really add a lot of major league depth, but they're not going to be in the way of the minor league cats if they end up showing out and coming up a little bit early, all of these guys are on one-year contracts. They're not going to be blocking anybody. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens out there. I'm a big fan of Jeter. Uh, He's a winner. And he might just be finally putting that winner mentality into Miami. And if they've got that mentality, everybody's going to overachieve. And if you've got a team of overachievers, even if you have minimal talent, you're still going to do pretty well. To your point of this being the most competitive division, that's what really puts them behind the eight ball because I think I don't see any other team – really being under 500 18 year divisions over 500 it's hard, hard for you to get those wins so they've got a big uphill climb but i really like what i'm seeing in the marlins this year as far as progression and getting better i like it
1: man i like it jazz chisholm by the way uh one of the prospects probably future all-star don't don't be uh surprised to see that name coming up pretty soon you know rob what do you got on the marlins
2: yeah, so for, for the Marlins, I, I have them in fifth place as well. I have them a li- doing a little better than Nick at 65 and 97. I'm just shy of a 10-game of a improvement for this year. Um, I do think that they're progressing. They remind me a little bit of like the Detroit Tigers in, in the sense that they kind of went out this year and added a lot of veteran presence on, on very short-term deals um, just to kind of mix some veterans um, with some of their young guys there, kind of make their team more competitive. Um, so, but they're still living in the post, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yellick, Marcelo Zuna, and JT Ramuda world. Um, the good thing about trading all those guys is that if you do the trades correctly, you should be able to stockpile, you know, a lot of really good young prospects. And, and a lot of them, you know, Nick mentioned, but I'm paying attention to Sixto uh, Sanchez. He's actually my rookie of the year for the division if he does um, come up to the majors this year, um, because I've... I, I've read up on him a little bit and he's kind of uh, he's kind of in that same range of where people have like a Dustin May um, or a Michael Kopech, for example. He's a top 25 prospect in in baseball. He's one of the top pitching prospects overall. Um, And he he actually came to Miami from the Real Muto trade. Um, But, you know, you had mentioned something interesting and it was when Miami traded Christian Yellick they were expecting to get Lewis Brinson in return from Milwaukee as the main piece from that trade. And I think two other guys in Jordan Yamamoto and Isan Diaz are now like the two featured guys from that trade. I mean, Yamamoto came up at the end of last year or mid last year and he put up, he put up together like really solid starts. Like he could be a very solid number four, number five guy in their rotation. And Isan Diaz, I think I mentioned on the podcast before where he he came up to the majors and he wasn't so hot when he came up. But to me, he's like a Javi Baez light. Like he went off in triple A. He hit over 300 in AAA with almost 30 home runs. Um he had 20 plus doubles. Like he was going off in triple A and then got a bit cold when he came up to the majors. But now that Miami uh moved Starlin Castro, or rather that Starlin Castro is not in Miami anymore. You know, second base is is pretty open for him to try to take that spot. I know they're gonna, you know, with Jonathan VR there, they're probably gonna move him around second, shortstop, third. Um, but that's that's a spot that he can possibly win and make an impact at. So um, yeah, to me, for me, Miami they still end, you know, they're they're at the bottom of this division. Like Nick mentioned, every, every other team in this division, which we're gonna talk about soon, is just uh, that much better than them. I mean, I don't. I agree. I think Nick had mentioned that he doesn't have any any of the other four teams under 500. Um, I don't have any other team under 500 as well. Um, so, yeah, it just they're in the NL East. The division is tough. They still have a lot of catching up to do. But, you know, it eventually does get to that point where those prospects start to meet their potential. The, the guys that they have are just too young right now. And, and like Nick also mentioned, you have Derek Jeter there, but you also have to mention that they with that new ownership, they're working on a very limited budget. Not saying that they're not going to spend at all, but they're kind of trying to fix the issues that were there before. So their budget, I think, is going to be slowly increasing as they start to see some progress. And when they're more willing to spend, like, some other teams in the division or in the NL, I can definitely see them, you know, trying to build a more competitive team in that division.
1: Yeah, and you know what, man? Like, you mentioned a few things. Lewis Brinson has to step it up, dude, because, like – Yamamoto and Diaz, look, they they have superseded what was expected from them. You know what I mean? There were guys that eventually were going to make the MLB, and you hope to get some from them, but right now, they're pretty high. Like, like the Marlins are pretty high on those two guys, and for good reasons. Brinson, though, dude, like, yo, last year in in 226 at-bats, man, you're sporting a 173 average. And usually, like, that'd be okay if you're putting up maybe 20 home runs, Zero home runs, 15 RBIs, you just can't do it, especially not for the the gifts he has, because he is a very talented player as far as his athletic gifts are concerned. So, you know, you kind of hope somebody like that figures it out, but it doesn't look like it right now. And I just have to say this about Miami because it's my own personal gripe. Like, yo, how are you the Miami Marlins, but you're like 45 minutes away from Miami? Like, what's wrong with you? You couldn't get the team any closer to South Beach? come on man like the heat are like right in the middle of it but you have to take like two buses an uber and we gotta get a a sketchy dude on a scooter to drive you to the ballpark to get to to marlin's ballpark come on dude we you guys gotta do better than that but that's neither here or there that's that's a really like personal problem for me that i did not need to bother you guys with but um that being said let's go to that number 14. that number 14 was one that came in with a lot of hype last year and like both me and rob said at the beginning of the year they were going nowhere and where did they go nowhere they were 500. they were the most average team that was out there offense killed it pitching staff was killed and at the end of the day, at the end of the season you had 81 and 81 man so let's build off that rob what do you got on the phillies
2: all right so i have the phillies making a huge jump this year um and you know like like we've been talking about building up to the NL East this this division is pretty tough to kind of grade just because you legit have four teams who can all be contenders here but i have the phillies finishing this year 92 and 70 and i have them taking i believe depending on how i had it let me see i believe i have them taking the first wild card in the in the NL, if I remember correctly from my other standings, um, you know, simply because they they have the pieces to make it work, it's just a question of, of whether or not it will. So, it all starts at the top, and we know we know how how your hatred for Gabe Kapler runs deep. Um, and I know I know you're you're probably one of the happiest people to see Gabe Kapler out of there, um, and they replace him with Joe Girardi, who quite frankly has been a winning manager just about. And, you know, with the Yankees and I mean, even with the Marlins, I think I, I think I remember he won like a manager of the year award, um, you know, and there's the argument that, you know, yes, he did have potentially better pieces in New York, but he does know how to win um, and he has solid pieces in Philly like it's not like he has a bum team like they have it falls on two guys, two particular guys in, in that on that team is Bryce Harper going to have an MVP caliber season, which I think he will. I think he, he will put up you know, the type of season that you sign Bryce Harper for 300 plus million dollars for. And my second question is, is Aaron Nola going to return to form from 2018? Because that is a guy who they need to be a one, the number one guy in that rotation. And Aaron Nola is the guy that I have as the Cy Young for this division, just because I do think he's going to return to his 2018 form. Um, I think one of their key additions was Zach Wheeler. Even though I'm not a huge Zach Wheeler fan, I do think he he does bring a good amount to the team to be a solid number two behind Aaron Nola. And that was one of the things that they were lacking was their starting pitching. Their bullpen is still kind of, eh, you know, nothing nothing too special about that. They added a former Yankee, Ndidi Gregorius, to play shortstop. I think he's going to be a very solid addition for him, especially if he can stay healthy. Um, if he can stay healthy, the past maybe like three seasons. Didi Gregorius has been a top 10 shortstop in all of Major League Baseball. Um, so his his health is the main question there, but if he can stay healthy, they definitely got a really good player in him. They have a bunch of other solid players. I mean, they're, they're probably going to have Hoskins at first. They have the best catcher or second best catcher in all of Major League Baseball in, in JT Romuto. um So they've I think they've added the necessary pieces to compete. I think with them, it's it, it's just, is it all going to come together? Um, and that starts, you know, that starts with your three hundred million dollar man. That starts with the guy that's supposed to be your ace, and that starts with the new manager that you brought in. I think Girardi, Harper, and Nola, if they can fall into place, I think everyone will fall into place behind them. And I actually have the Phillies taking one of the wild cards this year. Ooh, I like it. Look,
1: man, look, with, with the Phillies, my problem is that if if they ever if I was if I was going to give an all potential team title, it would be the Phillies. Everyone up and down their lineup are guys that we see how good they could potentially be, but they just quite never really get there. At least not with the Phillies. You know what I mean? Like Bryce Harper, we know that he is a potential MVP candidate every season. But will we see that? It's it's a legitimate question. Andrew McCutcheon, we know how good he could be at the top of his game, but at this point with his injury history and the amount of games he's played, are we gonna see anything near that? I don't know. Riz Hoskins, man, look, this dude's disappointing. Not because he hasn't produced, but because he hasn't produced a level we thought he was going to, and then just that rotation up and down. We talk Arenola disappointment last year. Zach Wheeler got paid a shit ton of money for a guy who really hasn't done much in his career. But you know what? Everything else adds up as far as his his analytics and his cybermagnetic bullshit. Zach Wheeler supposed to be a really good pitcher. Jake Arrieta, after his Cy Young seasons with with the Cubs, kind of been going to shit, and it doesn't seem to be like getting any, any better. Zach Eflin, a dude with great stuff, hasn't put it together long enough to have a good season. Vince Velasquez, another guy that look we see the stuff, but hasn't put it together full season. Nick Pavetta, same situation. So it's one of those teams where I can very easily see them winning ninety games, but I can very easily also see them winning something like seventy five games, and that's crazy to say because if you look around the the, the diamond, look. Their names are there. They have guys who you look at and you're like, look, those are good players. I, I'm not even mad at their bullpen, man. Their bullpen's actually pretty solid. Granted, I don't think they have anybody that overpowers you. Maybe Sir Anthony Dominguez becomes that guy, but he wasn't last year. And, you know, what? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're a bad team. I just, does you know, does Joe Girardi, who's a guy who I'm, I'm very high on, who I believe that the Yankees had, had kept them, might have had the Yankees in the World Series already, but that's my personal problem. When you guys get that, we get that. But is that enough to get them over the hump, man? Nick, what, what do you got on this
3: team? Five wins and with I'm 91. So I'm 91, 71. I have a 91-71. was in there. And did such a good job in New York. A little bit rough. You know, he's a little bit... But a lot of the new kids, I think, going in there, while he's not necessarily a player's manager, like some other guys, like a Dusty Baker, he's definitely somebody that everybody can relate to. And the fact that he's won goes a long way in the clubhouse. You're not going to pick too many arguments or say too much to your manager when he's won a few rings. So I think his force in the locker room is going to be huge. I think Bryce Harper is going to be the MVP of the NL East, and I don't think it's going to be anywhere close. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to have a monster year this year. He had a last year, and it just went completely under the radar. It could seem like the Phillies were the only team that super bouncy ball wasn't in play. They didn't really have anybody set career home run records like, like they should have, but maybe this year is when it all comes together. Harper being there for a year, I think the crowd getting to see who he is will really support him more this year. And I know Bryce Harper is okay with being the villain. He's, he has that type of personality, but I think deep down he wants to be liked and he wants to be loved and embraced. And I think this is the year maybe that the Phillies fans really do that. I, think, I have a feeling they're going to get off to a hot start, um, especially with Joe Girardi. I'm sure he knows how to get a team ready to go right away where other teams may be coming off of their from last year, maybe a playoff run deep and they're, you know, they're not quite, quite as excited. So <clears throat> I'm really interested to see the, the dynamic that Joe Girardi adds to that and I think it's worth about six wins. Uh, to your point, I don't see him going down like 70 wins but if they came in this year at 81 and 81 it really wouldn't surprise me. Only because if you have a guy like Jay Bruce in your starting lineup, how much talent do you really have on your team? He's not a good hitter. <clears throat> he has not been for quite some time. I'm really surprised to see Gene Segura at third base as, as opposed to Scott Kingery because Gene Segura is such an up the middle guy, and I really feel like a, a duo with him and Didi Gregorius would be absolutely amazing.
1: Wait, Nick, 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 before before you go on, um, so what that de- what depth chart are you looking at? Fan graphs. Okay, all right. So so that's so that's the one thing with baseball too. They have a couple of different depth charts out there. In the MLB depth chart, they do have Segura at second and Kingery at third.
3: But, yeah. again,
1: we, we won't know until the season starts, but just wanted to throw that out there. I'm sorry to cut you off.
3: No, and that's fine. And, and that's what I've seen. I always see Segura playing second. Um, I'm also, so, I mean, there's so many ways to play with this lineup, but it would be a mistake to me if Segura plays third base instead of second base because he has not really been a utility guy through his career where Kingery has been. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. But you got a lot of guys last year had a down year. I think Reese Hoskins is better than he was last year, not quite as good as he was his rookie year. JT Real Nozio did not have a standard year for him. He had a good year for a catcher, but he did not have a good year for arguably the best catcher in the game. And then when you go to the pitching, it really comes down to you have two aces and then you have three guys that can be an ace for maybe 30% of their starts in Jake Arrieta, Vince Velasquez, and Zach Eflin. If those, particularly Vince Velasquez and Zach Eflin and Nick Pavetta, if they can put together more, say, 70 to 80% quality starts rather than 30 to 40 This this team takes on an entirely new dynamic because you have a two-headed monster at the closer with Hector Maris and Sir Anthony Dominguez. Naris is probably going to be the closer, but either one of them can do it. So any night you need somebody to go out there and close, they're going to have a guy to do it. And the rest of the bullpen is a bunch of no-name guys that are completely serviceable. Adam Morgan, Ranger Suarez, Jose Alvarez, Austin Davis. They're all a bunch of guys who can go out there and give you quality innings. They're probably not going to be future closers, but they're still going to be good arms. So I think they're... Their ultimate success really lies on their three through five starting pitchers. And if they can put together more than half of quality starts, then I think they'll be all right. They'll be in the 90 plus wins. But if they fall on their face, they're going to be back down to 81 and 81.
1: Yeah, you know, that's what the Phillies do. They could go anywhere. It's It really is one of those teams where you look at it on paper and on paper you look you think, hey, look, this is a really good squad. But on the field, it just hasn't worked out for them. Even with the rotation, like you, you mentioned, like, there's names there that you're like, hey, those are some some pretty good competitive arms, but then it just doesn't get done. And I got to say this one thing, yo, I hate Scott Kingery. And like, I obviously have nothing against him personally. Like, I'm pretty sure he's an awesome guy, but he was one of the initial players to sign a contract before he even played a major league inning. And he had the potential to make that a very lucrative thing for future minor leaguers that are in that same position. And since then, dude, he's been kind of crap. He has not lived up to his expectation Uh, you know, you, we've, I know we talked about, a little bit about him playing second base or third base. He's a, you know, multi-utility guy. And that's exactly what I see him as. I see him as like a, a you know, higher ceiling kind of Brock Holt. I completely feel that Alec Baum is going to come come in and take over third base sometime this year, which will mean Scott King is pretty much is going to be a plug guy wherever someone's taking a day off. But We'll we'll see when that happens. We'll, 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 we we don't know that yet. But Scott Kingley, man, you rubbed me the wrong way, and you shouldn't be rubbing me at all. So that's the first problem.
3: Sounds like that's you let him too close to your heart. That sounds like that's on you.
1: It is on me. No, it completely is on me.
2: hundred percent. You're too trusting in people.
1: I am. I am. You're lucky. if Lewis Robert hurts me, yo, I swear <laughs> to God, I'll we'll Chicago down.
2: <laughs> yo, I yo, I can see the episode right now already. The Louis Robert rant episode.
1: Yo, you guys heard it here first. If Lewis Robert doesn't go ahead and fulfill his, what I think he's going to do, Chicago, you are in trouble. <laughs> the Windy City will, will become the fiery city because I will yeah, go there. Neither
2: Chicago team will be allowed on this podcast.
1: Yeah, we, we already banned the Cubs after last week, right? Like uh, yeah, we, can, yeah. we can't say like the other Chicago team. There will be no Chicago team. It would just be like a black spot anytime you look into into our podcast. But talk about black spots. Let's talk about the the worst team in New York. And that was the third place Mets. Now granted, saying to the worst team, oh, disingenuous. They are the team to be uh, in, the, in the World Series most recently since they made it, I, I want to say 2016. I don't know. I really wasn't paying attention. I was just so mad that my Met friends were just having a good old time. And I was home crying because Carlos Beltran was about to leave the team and go cheat his way to the Astros. But <laughs> we got we to gotta talk about the Mets, man. And this is an exciting team. they're also a team that has a lot of what ifs you know we need edwin diaz who was the guy they traded two really good prospects for to be something close to what he was in 2017 i mean 2018 yeah 2018 i'm sorry about that we need jacob degrom to keep pitching out of his mind we need noah syndergaard to pitch out of his mind marcus stroman has to pitch really well and then you know guys like like waka porcelo and matt as long as they're serviceable the, the mets will be okay they probably have the best pitching staff in the division when it goes from one through five or one through six in the situation. They have Pete Alonso, who, who can potentially be in the MVP race. Wilson Ramos, very underrated catcher. He wasn't in any of our top tens. But, you know, it's, it's also there's other problems there with Wilson Ramos. And, you know, the team in general is kind of something to look at. I, I don't love them offensively. Cespedes is back. Batances went over to the dark side and joined the team in Queens. Familia's is there. He needs a bounce back here. Yo, Nick, man, what do you got on this Mets team?
3: I got that I don't want to judge this team because on paper, I've got them for like 95 wins, but I know in reality they're going to only be at like 85. <laughs> so I have them at 84 and 78 and it's only because they're the Mets. That's, they're they're going to Mets. That's what they do. Um, it's Having a new manager is tough to see improvement, even though he's managed a bunch of these guys in the minor leagues and but like Robinson Canoa is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, <clears throat> if I do have any more sons in my life, one of them will be named Robinson. And I, but he's not, he should not be a starting second baseman on a playoff team. So that, that's strike one. And then you've just got so many guys that are going to be bounced around. They're not really sure where they're going to be. I mean, the outfield. You have a lot of guys that can play outfield in Brandon Nimmo, Jake Marisnik, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis, Dominic Smith, Yohan Cespedes. You can only play three of them at a time. And the problem is, other than Conforto, they're all very streaky. So you can't plan ahead. You just got to ride the hot bat. And then if you ride one hot bat, who knows which other one might be hot. So I think they're going to have a lot, of, a lot of trade pieces in the outfield if they have some good success because they're just they're overpopulated out there. And they really do need to get a second baseman or a third baseman um jeff mcneil last year was came out of nowhere uh to have a great year i don't know if he's going to sustain that but all the saver metrics all the Statcast data shows that he should be hitting well over 300 again 20 25 bombs and be really really good for them uh their shortstop Ahmad rosario is very much underrated obviously got the polar bear at first base does he have 50 home runs again probably not but 40 is almost in the bag and then you've got a guy like Jacob deGrom, who will be probably going and getting his third Cy Young of the year, or Cy Young in a row. I don't have him as my division Cy Young, but it's really hard to vote against him. And then Syndergaard, he can stay healthy for the full year. I think after that, with your three through six starters, as long as they throw him out there and they don't try to stress him out too much, they've got a really good bullpen. I mean, a really, really good bullpen. This is... On paper, this is easily the best bullpen in all of Major League Baseball, even compared to the Yankees. I like the talent and the arms that are on this bullpen more than I like the Yankees bullpen. So it's gonna when the game gets to the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, the game should be closed down. I think Edwin Diaz comes back to where he was two years ago, maybe not all the way, but even ninety percent of that, he's still a top three closer in the league. So, but it, it's the Mets. They're gonna met. They're gonna make stupid decisions. They're gonna get stupid injuries. Um, th- Luis Rojas being the new manager is definitely the wild card because just talent on paper I think this team is a 95 win team but they're going to get in their own way and they're going to go down to 84 wins for the year
1: Alright, and and you know I see that Look, my biggest thing with the Mets is that rotation takes them as far as they want to go because I don't love their offense like, you know, for, for instance guys like Jed Lowry who didn't play all year last year Can he come back and do anything? Like, if he comes back and gives them, I don't know, like ten percent of what Jed Lowry usually is, that's an upgrade for the Mets. You know what I mean? Same thing with Cespedes. All you need is a little bit of Cespedes to 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 be better. You know what I mean? And if you're if you're the Mets, also look, dude. You want to talk about Mets doing Mets shit? Yo, you guys hired Carlos Beltran, and before he even stepped in the building, probably he was fired. If that's not a met being met story i don't i don't really know what it is that's
3: just unlucky though that <laughs> no it's not it luck is. usually it's them doing to themselves
1: no it is look i i you know what i you can't really fault them for that you bring in a hall of fame caliber mind which i think everyone across the league thinks that of carlos beltran even after the whole cheating thing i don't know how many people really do believe uh carlos beltran was a mastermind behind that but whatever, I do. Do absolutely. do you okay. yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, well, even even if you do, you know what I mean? He was still very highly thought of before any of this happened. So them hiring Beltran wasn't something that was a bad move until you heard the story. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. It's just weird. And by the way, I'm still mad about Brandon Nemo being MLB's top 100 last year. And he was very high up. Like he was, I, I want to say he was like in the somewhere like 57 or 67. And he had some... He had a lot of players after him that were way better. But that's... Again, that's my own personal gripe, yo. Yo, Nick, by the way, yo, put it away. Yo, have no more kids. I'm tired of you out here. You've got Nolan <laughs> Ryan Jr. He's he's carrying the squad. I, I think you're good out there.
3: Nah, man, I want to give you a Robinson, Robinson Lee Amano. That's that's the next one for Jack that's, Robinson and Robinson Cano. That's
1: the next one? You already have this lined up?
3: Oh, yeah, I got him lined up.
1: Jesus. Yo, look, we're going to have to... I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to continue. You. you. We got, like, the Nick Amano virus out there just impregnating everything. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, how do your kids? Yo, Rob, what, what do you got on the Mets,
2: dude? I can't remember what our other uh, standings were for for all the other teams that we've done so far, but I think this might be the first time that we've we've matched on a on a record because I also have the Mets going eighty four and seventy eight. Um, I think they're gonna take a, a minor step back. Um, the reason I have them going eighty four and seventy eight and consequently finishing fourth in the in the division is just because I think too many things have to go right for them. Um, frankly, I, I think, I think like, like I had talked about when I talked about the Phillies, um, I think they're going to be able to put it together. I think the Mets just have too many pieces that I don't think are going to end up putting it together. Like you would essentially have to depend on Jacob DeGrom going out there and winning the third Cy Young, which obviously he has the talent to do. Is he going to do it? We don't know. And he's already won two straight and the Mets haven't built anything off those two straight Cy Youngs. Um, Pete Alonso, I already said, is going gonna, is gonna to end up taking a quote-unquote step back. Like Nick mentioned, he's he's more than likely still going to hit 40 home runs. And, but, you know, because it's not going to be 53, that's going to be considered a step back in the baseball world. Um, so, and then you have other other pieces, like you mentioned. Is Jed Lawry going to do something for them? Is Joannis Cespedes going to do something for them? Their outfield is kind of like... You know, their outfield is kind of pretty on and off. Like, you don't really know what you're going to get from J.D. Davis. You don't know what you're going to get from Nemo. You don't know what you're going to get from Comforto. Comforto is probably their most consistent outfielder, but you just, you know, there's no guarantee. Like, Comforto isn't a guy that I'm necessarily looking at and being like, this is going to be a 30 home run and 100 RBI guys consistently, you know? So you don't really know what you're going to be getting out of their outfield. Um, And to me, I'm looking at the pitching like I praise the Mets when they added Rick Porcello and when they added Michael Walker to to that rotation or, you know, their staff, because they're essentially six guys deep. And I like that the time that I don't like it is if that's what ends up being their five man rotation. And what I mean by that is, do they move a Noah guard or do they move a Steven Matz? Noah guard has already, ha- Noah guard has been in trade talks for the past two seasons. Not saying that he'll end up getting traded, but you just never know if, you know, if the Mets don't see themselves contending this year at a certain point, do they move guard You already saw that, you know, Brian Cashman was reaching out to the Mets, trying to see what the availability of Steven Matz was. So that's another guy who, you know, even if not to the Yankees, that's another guy who the Mets might be thinking of, on moving. Now, all of a sudden, if you move one of those guys and Porcello and Waka are your four and five. I mean, I guess I, I don't think it's as good as as having you know potentially Porcello at your at your five, and then Michael Waka as, as kind of like a long reliever, six starter kind of role. Um, and their bullpen. I mean, their bullpen. I agree with Nick in the sense that on paper it should be one of the best one of the best bullpens in baseball. The only area I disagree in is with the Yankee comparison. Um, the Yankees had have guys who like have essentially come. And people have said, look, this is one of the top bullpens in baseball on paper, and they showed it on the field. The Mets bullpen still hasn't shown that as as a bullpen together. They've shown it individually. You know, if you take Edwin Diaz time in Seattle um, and, you know, Juris Familia's before he came back to the Mets and things like that. But as a bullpen last year, they were terrible. They were were terrible. The only person who had a, a season that you can call anything close to great was Seth Lugo. So you really have to depend on all those other arms coming back and, and, you know, giving you something of value. But I do agree. Look, if you get 75% or 80% of Edwin Diaz at his best, that's a top five closer in baseball. 80% Edwin Diaz is a top five closer in baseball. That's how good he is. And he's still... Only, I think he's only still 25, 26 years old, so he's still relatively young. The Mets need him to be healthy. He's going to be the main piece that they need healthy in that bullpen. If they get a healthy Dylan Latanzas to go with a Familia and Lugo follows that up, then yes, we are talking about potentially top five, top three bullpen in baseball. But you see, like like I've been saying, there's just too many pieces, whether it's the bullpen, the starting pitching, I don't know what I'm going to get out of their outfield. There's just too many pitches too many you know uh different problems for me to be like oh the mets are gonna have some type of great improvement and like i said before the division is just too tough that when you have that many problems i don't really see you doing that well
1: understood understood yeah look i joke about the mets but they're, they're a team that reminds me a lot of last year's national team where all they need to do is to dance you know what i mean if they get to the playoffs they get into a wildcard spot they really do have the kind of rotation that can take you to the world series. Absolutely. So the Mets
2: Yeah, their their rotation would fuck people up in the playoffs.
1: Oh hundred percent. We we just, like I said we just saw with the Nationals. Like they're they're one through three with the Grom, Syndergaard, Strowman. Those are three guys that can win you a World Series. But their problem is they have to get there first. And whether they get there or not, like there's a lot of competition in the N L to get to that position, you know what I mean? like it's not even a shoe in right. that the, their wild card spot they could they could very easily finish fourth in this division and win something like 82 83 games so
2: i, be, I it, think i think they have i think when we were talking about the phillies i think the mets actually have like one of the widest gaps where i can see them finishing fourth in the division but i part of me is also like yo i hope that everything just clicks for them and you know Cespedes come back and goes wild and everyone else clicks and the rotation clicks and the bullpen clicks and they take the division
1: Yo, can you imagine a lineup with Prime Cespedes and Pete Alonso? Like we've oh, never seen that great. before. And but like, that's what I'm saying. Like I just you you want to see it, but you have to see it before you can even make that as part of your your valuation. We haven't seen Cespedes play a baseball game in over a year, so it's it's one of those things where you're usually kind of just hoping that we get to see that as fans. Right. Yo. That being said, let's go to our number two team, and we're gonna switch it up a little bit here. So. Last year's number two team was the Nationals, but the Nationals ended up winning the World Series. So we're not going to go ahead and embarrass them by leaving by, you know, having them in the second place. We're going to talk about the Braves first, and the Braves finished the division, they're, they're division winners. They, they won the NL East, they won 97 games, they, you know, when you look at their roster as it is right now, they probably have the best depth from when it comes to rotation. When it comes to the lineup, when it comes to the bullpen, they have a lot of pieces, man. And the only the only part of the Mets, I mean, the only part of the Braves I don't like is their catching situation. I absolutely hate Travis Darnold. I think he went to the Tampa Bay Rays. He got a little life under him. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm good now. But he's not. He's still trash. But we got to see that in a season play out. Look, their bullpen, like Darnold Day, Shane Green, Will Smith, Mark Melanson, Guys who you've definitely heard of, man. Yo, Minter. He's out there who's a very underrated lefty. He's out there. He's going to shut you down before you even know it. The rotation from one through, through I don't know, through their farm system absolutely blows out anyone in the MLB. You know what I mean? You have Soroka. You got Fulta Wainowitz, whatever his name is. Max Fried, Cole Hamels. Felix Hernandez comes in as a number five. Granted, he needs to have a good season. He, he's not the Felix Sannan of, of old, but if he's anything close, he's gonna be very good. Sean Newcomb, Cal Wright, Tuki Toussaint. Like, look, this team is absolutely stacked. Imagine a team where you have Nick Marchakis as your fourth outfielder. Adam Duvall, who is a 30 home run hitter at one point in his career, is your fifth outfielder. It is just insane. And look, I'm gonna go ahead and say it because I am just so high on the Braves. I have my MVP, my Cy Young, and my Rookie of the Year all coming from this team. And, look, I have Mike Soroka winning my the, the Cy Young for the division. Look, DeGrom is great, and I think if we're just talking, like, if I'm putting money on it, I'd put it on DeGrom. But I think is going to take such a huge step that we're going to be talking to him a lot more than we did last year. My Rookie of the Year is going to be Kyle Wright. And it was between Kyle Wright and... Christian Padre, who's a guy who might who we hope comes up this year and takes over center field, even though NCRD is probably one of the better leadoff hitters in MLB. And then my MVP, Ron Lacuna Jr., who is absolutely my favorite player right now. Uh, you know, I, I say... Uh, well, actually, no. Gary Sanchez is my favorite player. Ron Lacuna Jr. is my non fan bias favorite. So, like, this, and I didn't even mention Freddie Freeman yet. Holy shit, this team is, like... They're one of my favorite teams. I still I have them finishing first place again. But since I'm fangirling really hard right now, someone has to take this from me, and, and that could be you, Nick. What, what do you got on the Braves? What do you have their record at? What do I have the record on? Yeah. No, so so because of the nature of their division,
3: because of the nature that they oh, have. Oh, here comes I mean, the qualifiers. <laughs> here comes the excuses. Ah, oh, here it go.
1: Yeah, I mean whatever. You know, I actually have them at 95 wins, winning the division.
3: Okay. Yeah, that, sure. that's what I have. Yeah. I thought you were going to put them 105 with the love you were just giving them. So no, uh,
2: Originally, it was 152 and
3: 10. Yeah, yeah. You know what? If, if they were playing in any other division, maybe. So I'm going to bring in the Braves' hate and hammer. Uh, a lot of my friends that are Braves fans, James Fleming, shout out to you, man, for listening, are going to smack me upside the head the next time they see me. But the Braves have a ton of offensive depth. The problem is... It's in the wrong spots. They just lost Josh Donaldson, 900 OPS, which is all world, 37 bombs, 94 RBIs, 96 runs from third base. And they're gonna replace it with Johan Carmago. That's a terrible idea. And you add Marcelo Zuna, who realistically can replace Josh Donaldson. The problem is you're not replacing him at the position you need. To your point, they are loaded in the outfield. You have Marcaikas and Duvall as your fourth and fifth outfielders, and Christian Pache would be my rookie of the year in the division if he had a place to go. But he has nowhere to go. He's not going to jump over those guys unless there's an injury. And all of these guys are pretty uh, injury-wise. They're really good. They don't get hurt a lot. So offensively, yeah, this is the best team in the division, in my opinion, because of the depth. They really can, on a daily, replace their starting guy (coughs) with a – Above average major leaguer, not even just a serviceable one. Here's where I'm going to highly disagree is that bullpen is not even the best in the division. Uh, I've seen Mark Melanson for years in San Francisco. Their best pitch in the bullpen is Will Smith, and he's not going to be their closer. We've we've seen Shane Green blow up. Luke Jackson was their closer last year. He's blown up. Chris Martin came over from Texas after all of a sudden he decides to be good for about half a year. Darren O'Day, I think, is 97 years old this year. Yeah, he turns 97 (laughs) on March 3rd. I see that birth certificate. Yeah. (laughs) Josh Tomlin, like, he doesn't walk anybody, but he gives up more home runs than he gives hits, it seems like. Their bullpen is not as good as it seems. They ran a real high streak last year, and I think everybody in their bullpen had a career year last year, including the guys they got. As far as their starting staff, I really want Mike Soroka to be the Cy Young of the division because he is the next Kyle Hendricks. Shout out Eli. He is the next Greg Maddox. He's the guy, he's he's the Zach Granke. He's the guy that goes out there and when the hitter turns around and goes back to the dugout, he's like, how did that little shit get me out? How is that even possible? So I would love it. I've heard nothing but good things about him, about how cerebral he is and how much he understands the game and he really understands tunneling. He understands plus and minus the speed on a pitch and how important a good off-speed pitch is, not just from movement, but from the deception of it looks like a fastball until it's too late, but I don't believe in Max Freed. I don't believe in Fulton Mavich. I don't believe in Newcomb. Felix Hernandez, seriously, I love the dude, but he's not a starting pitcher anymore on a competitive team, and Cole Hamels is starting the year off her. If Cole Hamels was on the team to start the year and in the rotation, I would feel much better, but I just, I can't quite buy into that pitching staff, but the offense is so good. So, like, really, you do have three legit MVP candidates in Acuna Jr., Ozzy Alves, and Freddie Freeman. Marcelo Zuma had an MVP-type season a couple years ago, so you do kind of have four possible MVP-type guys. And to your point, Andrew Ciarte is one of the best leadoff hitters in the game, but he's hitting six. And Travis Darno is an offensive catcher, so there's, there's a lot to like on the offense, and I just think they are going to beat up on everybody outside the division and I think their offense is so good that they're going to be able to overcome the pitching on the Mets. So I, I have them with all that bashing, I still have a winning in the division at 93 and 69, but I, I'm not as hyped as you are with, with my number.
1: What do you mean? I got like two more wins than you at most. Yeah, but you
3: made it sound like they were gonna win hundred and thirty seven games. I got them a solid
1: nah, 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 look, look, look so so my thing is in today's in today's MLB where you really do need depth from your top players down through your farm system, I think they're the they're other than the Dodgers, they're the best equipped to do that. You know what I mean? If you know, what, even if their infielders go down, right? Let's say Ozzy Alves, who we didn't even mention, goes down. Yo, Radio, well, like he's really good. Like he does yeah, defensively. Exactly, he doesn't provide the, provide the offense that you want, but defensively, you're not missing a step. You know what I mean Carmago, who we have at their base? Let's be real. Riley's probably going to play a lot more their base than we're giving credit for, because he's a he's a prospect that they didn't really want to give up, and maybe they do give him up at at some point this year if they feel like they have a need. But just as far as you know, being comfortable in a team, this is a team I'm the most comfortable with in this division because I feel like there's so many safeguards. Like Travis Darnold, like I don't think Travis Darnold finishes the season as a starting catcher. Like yo, imagine if they trade with with Chicago for McCann. Who McCann is expendable now that they have that they have what's it called the the dude that they just signed Grizzly. and now they have Grindau, McCann is is expendable. What if they bring him in? He's an upgrade over Darno, in my opinion. I can't believe that Flowers is the backup. To Darnell. So so we'll see, man. And you mentioned pachi he has to come up. If if he does come up, like that is only good for the, for the Braves. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like.
3: No, if they if they need Pache to come up, that's bad for the Braves. That means they've gone through their five other outfielders and they can't play on a regular basis. That's bad if Pache has to come up.
1: Well, no, I think the only reason he comes up is if NCRD gets hurt, who he was hurt all last year. I think they'd rather plug him in center field than have somebody like Ronald Acuna move to center field. So, and I don't think Duval's a center fielder and Marquise isn't a center fielder either. So it really is on NCRT, whether Ncarty stays healthy and productive or not. So, I, I mean, I don't know, man. We'll see, and we didn't, you know. And Kyle right, dude, he is—he has some some ace potential stuff. Eventually, you know what I mean? Like, I don't—I don't know. Like, it, for me, it's hard to to look up and down the team and find any holes because they have backups to their backups. It seems like, man, Rob, what do you have on the Braves? I'm sorry for Fangirling so much.
2: <laughs> no, you're all good. Um, I actually agree with with Daniel in terms of of the Braves. I have them at 95 wins as well, 95 and 67. Um, I have them taking the division with that record. Um, But, you know, like both of you discussed, I think overall, they're they're just the best put together team in the division for me. They have extremely talented offensive players. Ronald Acuna Jr. is my MVP for the division. Um, I think he's going to, you know, put together a 40 plus home run season this year. And I, I think he's I think he might just end up having a top three finish um to you know to win the actual nl mvp this year if not win the award outright um freddie freeman is just a a class act veteran and one of the top players in all of baseball who who usually gets pretty underrated when you're talking about like the top guys in baseball i feel like freddie freeman usually comes in at the end of the discussion um you know like oh yeah freddie freeman's also on this team um but he he's a very key part of that team um in terms of their rotation you know for me um, I like Sirocco at the top of that rotation, but I would like to see some more consistency. You know, I, I feel like the Braves are are super removed from the Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz days, and not necessarily saying that I want to see guys in that rotation with that level of talent. I mean, it'd be great for them, but you don't. You don't always get a Maddox, Flavin, and Smoltz, you know, paired together like that. I'm talking more of just um, consistency. I want to see some more consistency from their starting pitchers. And like you mentioned, Cole Hamels is, is more than likely going to start the year off hurt. But to me, that was one of the best additions that they made. Like yeah, was. I, was, I was pushing for Cole Hamels to be on the Yankees because... For me, you add Cole Hamels for a postseason run. You don't really add Cole Hamels to, you know, go out there and win 16 games in the regular season. Like, no one cares about that. You add Cole Hamels to to have as a postseason arm because he has that postseason experience. And not saying that Cole Hamels is going to go out there and be like, you know, 2008, 2009 Phillies Cole Hamel, But, you know, he has that experience. He has such a great veteran president. I'm sorry, veteran presence. Um, and he's just, he's just been a very consistent pitcher his entire career. I love that addition to, to their rotation, so I do hope he comes back um, healthy. I hope they get something out of King Felix. You never know. Um, you don't really know how his career is going to go at this point. But, you know, we were talking about their, their situation at third base as well. They are going to go with Carmago and Austin Riley kind of platooning at third base. But I do th- – listen, I do think – Atlanta is going to be one of those teams that ends up pulling the trigger on Arenado or Chris Bryant. I think, I think they're one of the best positioned teams to have the pieces to get a trade very easily done. I mean, they have, they, they, I think they have six prospects in the top 100, four like in the top 50 overall in, in the MLB. So like they have the pieces to get any type of trade done, um, which essentially would replace Josh Donaldson. I mean, I'm taking, I'm taking Arenado and, and chris bryant over josh donaldson at least at this point right now if they're able to pull off that trade but we'll see we'll see how their guys develop as well and in terms of their bullpen i think their bullpen is just filled with a lot of guys who who i'm actually in the middle um in terms of their bullpen like i'm not gonna say that they're like amazing but i do like the fact that they have a lot of guys who have experience being closers who have experience pitching Um, late into games. I mean, Melanson's been a closer. Will Smith's been a closer. Shane Green's been a closer. Darren O'Day's been a closer. So you have a lot of guys who have that experience, a lot of veteran guys there. Um, So yeah, I I I think I'm kind of in the middle of their bullpen. Maybe if they can get like one more reliable arm in there, like they did by adding Shane Green at the deadline last year, um, that might benefit them. Um, And in terms of catcher, yeah, man, they have to, (laughs) like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do at catcher because Atlanta re- really hasn't had a real catcher since Prime Brian McCann. And, you know, if, like, imagine if Atlanta, you mentioned James McCann, which I agree would be a nice addition for them, but imagine if Atlanta had thrown money to Grandal or had tried to pull off that Realmudo trade, um, you know, a year ago. Like, Atlanta would be so nasty <laughs> with Grandal or Realmudo catching for them. Um, but yeah, they need to find a way to upgrade that because uh, Travis Arnault, I mean, he, he's a bat. Like he can he can get you a home run here or there, but I don't think he's their answer um, at catching. Not necessarily saying that they, you know, need their catcher to be the superstar of the team, but I feel like that's an area of of improvement for them. And just one last thing on the Braves. I know that there's gonna be a lot more players that we talk about, but I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with the fact that like in terms of how how much longer he plays for his career. Nick Markakis has the potential to be, like, one of the most surprising members of the 3,000-hit club for me because I didn't know he had as many hits as he actually has. Like, right now, he's sitting at 2355, and, like, it, during his time with Atlanta outside of last season where, where he didn't play, the you know, the majority of games that he usually does, I mean, he usually gets 160 hits per season. So, like, you know, not saying that he stays at that rate because he is, he is about to go into his age 36 season. But you never know. Like, Marquez is playing at like five more years. Like, we could be seeing him as a member of three thousand hit club. And to me, that was that was really surprising.
1: Yeah, no, Marquez has definitely had one of the more underrated careers in MLB because he he's never been like a top three player on his team because he was on those like stacked Orioles team with Manny Machado, Chris Davis, Adam Jones. So yeah. he, he was always like that kind of afterthought after that. But yeah, he's had a really good career. And like, dude, like. Tuki Toussaint, I don't know if he sticks as like their one of the starters, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and he he kind of fills that bullpen need because if if there's one thing you can say about both the rotation and the bullpen is that they don't have like that lights out arm. You know what I mean, like Nick mentioned, uh, Mike Soroka being like a Greg Maddox and a cow and a Kyle uh, Hendricks, and those aren't guys you necessarily think of with lights out stuff. Other than Maddox, obviously, Maddox is like a no doubt Hall of Famer, but in today's game, it'd be a little different. But, you know, guys like Kyle Wright, like, he has the kind of stuff that can give you that top tier A stuff. And Tukey Toussaint coming out of the bullpen, he can give you that dominating potential closer like, you know, 99 plus type of repertoire. So, I mean, they have options, if anything. I, I really do hope they get another catcher. I hate Travis Darnold. I think he's absolute trash. I hated the fact that he beat up on the Yankees last year because I think he's so garbage. But,. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that being said, so, let's go to the Nationals. And, you know, Nationals won the World Series. If, you just, if you're just you just learning that now, then holy fuck, I don't know what to tell you. But they had a great postseason run. Juan Soto, who I don't even think he can officially drink yet. Can he officially drink? Is he officially 21? Can, does, can anybody confirm yeah, I, that? I
2: thought his birthday was recent.
1: Yeah, it was during the World Series. He turned 21 yeah. during the World Series? He had yeah. his first. Okay. He had his first old duels. Um... Victor, Ruble- Victor Robles Victor Robles and Center who's someone <laughs> yo look at this point it's whatever name I gave him. Victor Robles and Center, who is someone who I still think hasn't hit his potential, but also very young. Uh, Adam Eaton. Eric Dames kind of projects to be their starting first baseman, at least as at least MLB net, um, MLB.com wise, uh, Trey Turner, uh, Howie Kendrick, Carter Kaboom. Projects to come up and be the starting third baseman with Adubu Cabrera. Um, what can I say about their pitching, man? They're pitching. The top three guys are probably the best one, two, three in the MLB. In Scherzer, Strasbourg, Corbin, Sanchez ain't no joke either at fourth. Uh, Sean Doolittle has proven he can get it done. You kind of told a really funny story about how he used lavender on his glove to calm him down during the playoffs. But yo, Nick, man, what do you got, what do you got on these Nationals?
3: So they're. If it wasn't for them winning the World Series last year and just the history of teams not being able to go back to the playoffs, I would have them winning the division because on paper, they're and I hate saying on paper, but when you just look at the guys that are there, they're so good. And I, I still think there's upside from Soto. I know there's upside from Turner because he just needs to stay healthy. There's for sure upside from Robles. Carter Keyboom is going to come in and try to be the replacement for Rendon. And there's a lot of stuff that says he can. Obviously, he's not. I don't think he's going to step in and hit 330 with 40 bombs, 100 runs, 126 RBIs. But if he can step in and hit 280, 275 with, say, 25 home runs, 80 and 80, that's – it's not Rendon. But that's better than what you probably would have gotten in other places. And Tams is their starting first baseman just from the righty-lefty uh, – uh, Platoon, when a, left, when a righty's on the mound, he's going to be hitting. And then when a lefty's on the mound, it's more likely going to be Ryan Zimmerman. That right there, to me, is very underrated. Because what the Nationals are losing, going from Rendon to Kibum, I think they're getting having Eric Thames at first base against righties instead of Matt Adams. And not having to rely on Ryan Zimmerman so much, who's getting older, a lot older, is going to keep him fresher. And Eric Thames is a power hitter. I believe he hit 30 last year for the Brewers. So that first base platoon plus key boom, I actually think does is going to replace uh, Anthony Rendon. You have to do it across two people versus one, which sucks. But I think Juan Soto takes another step up. I think he gets 40, 45 bombs this year and still hits around 300. I think Trey Turner takes a step up. And I think Victor Robles takes a step up. And with all those guys taking a step up, their offense just got even better than it was last year. And it wasn't amazing last year, but they were top 10 in MLB in everything except for home runs. So average, they were six in MLB. On-base percentage OPS, they were two and six. And total runs scored, which is what you need to win games, they were six in all of MLB. So I think their offense stays the same or gets better. My fear is just the miles on the arms with particularly Steven Strasburg, I think is going to... They're going to have to find a very creative way to load manage and I don't see them with a very good um, farm system to get another starter up there and they don't really have anybody in the bullpen right now that's a good long guy. Their their long reliever right now is Austin Voth who had a couple good outings last year but he's nowhere near even a Joe Ross as their number five starter so that's what I think is going to keep him back. I have him for 92 wins which is still a good win total because I believe in the talent that I'm seeing, and I really hope that the World Series letdown, just playing all those games last year doesn't hurt him too bad. I do have my, uh, my rookie of the year as Carter Keboom. I think with all the other names that are on that team and with the fact that they just won a World Series, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of pressure on him, and he's going to be able to develop in the major leagues as a hitter in the major leagues, which is weird to say, because you don't usually get that chance. And i have my son young as max scherzer i think he comes out this year and just proves that last year's injury was a fluke it's not going to happen again and i think he wants his cy young back so i got him as the cy young for the division all
1: right man look and before i get to rob i got i gotta say this about the nationals i got i want to put where i have them at i actually have the nationals missing the playoffs and a part of that reason is because they did rely on those starting pitchers so much last year we saw Patrick Corbin come in as a reliever multiple times during the playoff run. And granted, that worked for them. Like, whatever contract he got, which originally I wasn't a fan of Patrick Corbin's contract because I felt that it was, for, for the length that it was, I didn't think he was going to live up to that. Look, you win, you win a World Series, those next five years are paid for. You know yep. what I mean? So, so it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like, anything extra you get from Patrick Corbin is exactly that. It's just extra. You're happy to have it. You got your road through his ring. And, you know, now you just see what happens with the rest of his career there. You know what I mean? But, look, not last year, Max Scherzer, and Max Scherzer, he's a, he's a max effort guy. And when I saw him down the stretch, even in October, he was getting it done. But it was it was completely off will. It was completely off the kind of person Max Scherzer was as, look, even though I'm not feeling 100%, and to be honest with you, I might, maybe I shouldn't be pitching, I'm going to give you everything I have, and I, I don't know, man. I think that takes a toll on you, and maybe we don't see it early on in the season. Maybe he's a he's young caliber, but I feel like just as, next year, he's going to break down a little bit, and he's going to miss some time. This is my opinion. I really hope it doesn't happen, because in my opinion, when everyone's at their best, Max Scherzer is my number one pitcher in the MLB, I just, you know, like, I, I just hope it doesn't happen. But when it comes to projecting, I do think something will happen to Max Scherzer as far as health-wise. Which is kind of weird because Strasburg is simply that guy. But I feel like Strasburg came in and he's been a lot stronger. He kind of pitched, I, I believe he pitched the most innings he ever has last year. Yeah. And I think that the fact that he he did miss so much time in the front end of his career might benefit him now. So even even that rotation, I have, I have Steven Strasburg over Scherzer just because I think he, I don't know, the fact that he, he was so hurt early in his career kind of saved some some innings now. And and yeah, I don't know. Look, I just think that it's an uphill battle for, for the Nationals. Even last year, I think everyone was surprised if you said that you had him as your favorite in the NL. Um, yeah, I mean, Victor Robles, he has to show me more. Like, I, I love Victor Robles. He's one of my top prospects that I've had. He, he's one of, like, Danny's boys, like the guys that I'm really high on early in his career. But he hasn't really shown that to me yet. I love Juan Soto, but the game's going to be a little different without, without Rendon. Like, you are the main guy now. Not that you weren't highly thought of before, but now you are the guy, which means I wouldn't be surprised if you come close to breaking the walk record just because there's no reason to pitch to anybody else in that lineup. And I don't know. I just, I just feel there's like a lot there that they need to overcome. I have them missing the playoffs. And just to show to what extent I have them dipping, I wouldn't be surprised if they came in fourth places in the division. Great. Really? Yeah, I, I know. To that fourth place would still be winning eighty plus games, but like I mentioned, that that division is so tight that I wouldn't even be surprised if the division winner had just ninety games won. So, we, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, man. Rob, what do you have on the on the the defending uh, the whew, the defending champs?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be quick on the Nationals. I I don't think they're going. I don't think their season is going to end as well as it ended last year. Um, I think their their main positive is, is like you guys mentioned, their starting rotation. They probably have the best number three guy in any rotation in the MLB and Patrick Corbin. And like you said, they won a World Series his the first year of his contract. So, I mean, the guy is pretty much just chilling from here on out. Um, but now you have Steven Strasburg, your number two, who has a big contract to to live up to. At, you know, right behind Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is the undisputed leader of that rotation. We hope to get, you know, an, an elite Matt Scherzer type season out of him. Um, but Juan Soto is the face of this franchise now in, in terms of positional players. Um, I don't expect a down year from him. Like Nick said, I do ex- I do expect him to go off for 40 plus bombs, have a better season than he did last year. He's another guy that should be, you know, we we had the Juan Soto, Ronald, the Cunha Jr. discussion. So I think, I think... I think their careers are going to be pretty on par in terms of these are two guys which are going to consistently be in the NL MVP discussion. Um, You know, at least for now, we don't know what you don't know whether they end up in the AL later on in their career or anything like that. But um, at least for now, I think they're always going to be in that discussion. Um, But the main thing for the Nationals is replacing Anthony Rendon. Um, You know, I know they have Carter K. Boom and and. They also signed Stalin Castro, so he might see some time at third base. Do you put Howie Kendrick there for some games? Um, I'm not a huge fan of their infield without Anthony Rendon in it. Um, yeah, Treya Turner is is good at shortstop, and you know he has elite speed, um, and he can, he can definitely hit. But outside of that, I mean, like I mentioned, you have you have K. who's coming up. He might put together a good season and win Rookie of the Year. He might not. You have Starlin Castro, who's, you know, an okay, a little better than okay hitter. You have Howie Kendrick, who you have to depend on to to play somewhat at the same level that he did last year. And you have Eric Thames at first base now, um, who I figure might be their primary first baseman, who, you know, falls into that um, whole group of, yes, this guy can hit home runs, but he can't hit for shit. Like he's probably going to be a low 200 hitter again, um, even though he'll probably hit 25, 30 home runs for you. Um, And I guess, you know, if that's what they're looking for at first base, then that'll be a benefit for them. But I think the team is good enough to to make the postseason. But I think they're going I think it's going to be a year in which they're fighting for it. I have them at 88 wins. Um, I think they're gonna be right there with the Diamondbacks and um, the Cincinnati Reds, like we mentioned from episodes before. those are those are three teams, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Washington, that I have potentially fighting it out for the second wild card um since i since I said this episode that I have the Phillies taking the first wild card. And you know, like I said, I don't see their year ending the way that it that it did this past season simply because I'm gonna bet on history. And we haven't had a repeat World Series champion in two decades since the Yankees went on that, you know, three straight years from 98 to 2000. So since we haven't had a repeat champion in, in two decades, I don't necessarily see the Nationals as the team that I would bet on to be the team that wins two titles back to back. So I have them right there duking it out for a second wild card. I think they'll do a little in terms of, of finish. I think they might make the postseason in the wild card game like they did last year, but I don't see them winning another title this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing about the Nationals, if they remind you of any team, maybe they might remind you of the of the Royals from a few years back when they made back-to-back World Series and they beat the Mets, but they lost to the Giants. That's probably like the nearest comp I have for them just because their pitching is what their pitching is. But yo, that, that kind of marks the end of this, man. Yo, Nick, who was your, just give me a recap of who your people were.
3: Cy uh, Young is Max Scherzer, rookie of the year. He is Carter Keeboom, and MVP is Bryce Harper. All right. Rob, what about you?
2: MVP is Ronald Acuna Jr., Cy Young is Aaron Nola, and Rookie of the Year is Sixto Sanchez, assuming that he gets called up.
1: Sixto, Sixto, Sixto. All right. For for me, I have my MVP as Ronald Acuna Jr., I have my Cy Young as Meg Soroka, and my Rookie of the Year I have as Kyle Wright. Yo, before we go, you always got to answer some random shit. If not, you can't leave. You guys ready for this? No,
3: we're yeah. never ready. We've said that before.
2: Yeah, We'll say it every time. This answer does not change. We don't know the question, so obviously we are not ready, Daniel.
3: I mean, I feel
1: attacked, but... Well, we just go- hurt his feelings.
2: <laughs> it's has gone about his cool. feelings today, and we heard him. It's
1: all right. But we'll, look.
2: but we'll play along. We'll answer your questions.
1: Okay, look. Here's my question. If there is a coronavirus outbreak, oh my God. and you have one major league player to protect you. And that could be, you know, maybe pegging some people with balls if they get too close to you or swinging at their heads if they zombie walk towards you and cough at you. Who is the person that you feel most equipped to protect, to, to protect you from the coronavirus? We're going to go ahead and start with you, Nick. Uh,
3: shoot. Let's go Giancarlo's Dan because he's already injured enough anyway, so nobody will miss him.
2: Oh,
1: Dan. That is your heart. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> Jim Carlos' heart's breaking somewhere, yo. All right, Rob. What's your answer? I'm gonna go with one of your favorite players and one of my favorite players, and Javi Baez, because since he is El Mago, I'm hoping that he could be El Mago off the field and pull off some magic tricks and get me the hell out of there.
1: All right, all right. My answer might be might be a little different. So my answer is uh, Eric Thames, and for two reasons. One, the the motherfucker's jacked. Like there's there's no support Like this this dude spent either half his time in the gym or in prison, because he is absolutely huge. It looked like all he did was lift for five years straight and said, I don't need to f- ever touch the top of my head. Second, he's been in Korea playing baseball for a while. So he, <laughs> like, you know, coronavirus is an Asian disease. Not he that I have
3: started it, is what you're saying.
1: No, 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 I'm just trying to say he might have a communication barrier that can fix it that I can't. Uh, you know, this may sound very racist. I'm not trying to be racist. I'm just trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that I have Eric Danes protecting me. That, that, that's all I'm going to say. All right, man. That being said, yo know, guys, next episode will be our top prospects. So the, the start of the season isn't for a few more weeks. So we don't want to get into our, you know, overall predictions as far as our, you know, real MVPs our real Cy Youngs and our real division winners. But we are going to get into you know guys who we we feel may make an impact who are rookies and we'll we'll be talking about some of the guys you should like out for you know it, it shouldn't be any surprise you know Mackenzie Gore Lewis Robert Mackenzie Gore to- McKenzie Gore. exactly we're going to spend at least thirty five minutes talking about Mackenzie Gore and another forty five about Lewis Robert so get ready for that no but 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 really we're going to go through some of the farm systems we're going to let you guys know who you should look to come to your team and kind of, you know, produce on the major league level, some young guys. And then from there on, just to look a little bit further ahead, our episodes are going to change a little bit. They're going to be shorter. There might be about 30 minutes. It's going to be a start of season, which means we have a lot less to analyze, but we're going to have a lot to talk about. So, yo, keep it here with Diamond Talk. We'll see you guys next time. Nick Rob, thank you for, for being on here again. Guys, stay safe out there. Avoid that coronavirus. I say you find yourself a baseball player to protect you. And other than that, find us on SAW.com. Find our Facebook. Find our Instagram, our Twitter. And become part of the fan, man. Thank you.
2: Peace.
0: Hey guys, we want to thank you for listening to the Diamond Talk podcast presented by the Craft Factory. Stay tuned for the next episode. But until then, if you have any statements, comments, or you want your questions answered live on the podcast, feel free to email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. See you soon.